but there's also the aspect of these younger kids that are on job seeker and they you know they're quite happy to get um, you know sit at home and not work so there's a bit of laziness there too I think which is you know you, they're getting a handout so you know if they don't have to work they're not going to work the young kids you know so I think that's also maybe a problem. Today on Dirty Linen, I am feeling really pretty bloody good. I'm recording on Sunday and it's just a bit of a day. I, I mean, to think about 2020 and good days, it's a pretty low bar. So I reckon this might be the best day of the year for me here in Melbourne, feeling quite elated about the US election and the possibility of the tone changing. Uh, decency, dignity, truth, science seem to be concepts that will come a little further to the fore, which I'm feeling really good about. We've also had another announcement from Premier Dan Andrews in Victoria that restrictions are further easing and, you know, things are looking a little bit brighter. The changes that are flagged do not help every business, but it certainly feels like we are on a good and positive path. I'm speaking today to Chantal Defrager, who owns three pubs in Richmond. And when I think about Richmond, I do think of pubs. It's one of the pubbiest suburbs in Melbourne. We can see if Chantal agrees. Uh, but we are speaking specific. We're going to ch check in about a whole bunch of stuff. But Dirty Linen this week is returning to its original concept, which is that we get on an issue and we stick to it for a week. And the issue that I wanted to hone in on uh, for this first week of returning to topics is staffing. Uh, quite predictably, as soon as Melbourne Hospo started to reopen, staffing became a huge issue. Uh, people are finding it hard to get staff and I know that Chantal and, and her businesses are, are in that position. So, Chantal, it's been a long introduction, but first of all, welcome. Welcome to Dirty Linen. Thanks for having a chat. Oh, pleasure. Um, thank you for um, talking to me. Um, but yeah, so we, we've got um, three venues in Richmond. We've got uh, two that are currently open, the Kingston Hotel and um, the Swan Hotel. Um, our third venue has been closed for renovations for 12 months. So that hasn't been operating. And we, I mean, that's a, um, I'll probably speak about the other two first. So we initially had staff of 90 um, before COVID. COVID, and then we had we're now down to 25 um, that we were able to keep on JobKeeper um, because a lot of the casuals decided to um, you know go on JobSeeker. It was better for them. So then you know, and trying to hang on to our staff during COVID was quite challenging because you know we didn't know how long this was going to last, and trying to keep them engaged and wanting to hang on in the industry because I think we've um, we've you know, lost a lot of great people in hospitality because they've diversified and gone and got other jobs. So it's, um, it's, it was very challenging, but we were lucky we've held on to our managers, to our great chefs and our key people. But since reopening, um, we've had to be very careful about how many hours we can open because we, we only have this, our staff are getting slammed because um, we've only got such few staff. So therefore, you know, we want to employ people and are desperate to employ people. 
So what's what's happening? I mean, are you are you putting out ads and and you're not getting responses? What's happening? Oh, we've done all that. Yes. Yep. Yeah. No. 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 We've done what well, we've done all that. And a lot of people, as people in hospitality, will know our um, a lot of our staff are internationals. You know, they're travellers and they've all gone home. So a lot of our staff would have been uh, made up of, of that mix of people. Um, and also, I do think that um, some you know hospo professional hospital staff are still waiting for some venues to reopen um, and I think and I mean they're and they're wanting to be loyal to their employers so I think there's a little bit of that and I think people have diversified and have gone to different industries and also from the ads that we've been putting in lately they're really young so they're 18 to 22 year old kids that are just out of uni or school um, and they're looking for a second casual job and like they're coming from probably McDonald's or Subway or supermarket chains so they're not necessarily um, you know they're not but I mean look we can train them up but I do think that's my thoughts on um, why we're having a bit of a, a staff shortage. And I've spoken to a lot of people in the industry and they're sort of saying exactly the same thing, that they find it really hard to find, um, you know, really experienced hospitality people that want to have jobs, which surprised me. I thought we would open and we would have heaps of people that were desperate, you know, to have a job. And we want to employ people, you know, we want to, in, and with the public house opening, that's got capacity of 450 people in that venue when we can open to, you know, better numbers. And we, we want to employ, you know, another, you know, 60 odd people in that venue. So it's been a, a, a challenge that I didn't think was going to be this hard. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it is so tricky because, you know, it's great to have people that want to enter the industry and, but you need to have that range of people, don't you? You know, I mean, and you need to have enough people with experience that have got time to train the people that are coming in with less experience. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and our staff are so, they're pushed to their limits at the moment because we've got such few staff and, you know, they are working their bums off, They are, which is fantastic. I mean, like the Kingston has been booked out every single, you know, double sittings. It's been, you know, fantastic, but they're, they're exhausted and we need to make sure that they don't burn out because um, I've heard that too in other places that people are getting, you know, the staff are doing ridiculous hours because there's so few of them. So, I mean, all of a sudden we've gone from being closed for seven months to open. And, I mean, that's the other thing I think the government don't really understand is that it's not just that it, that easy of, you know, turning on the switch and away you go. And, I mean, especially in regional Victoria as well, I've got a girlfriend um in All Saints, um, and that's even more problematic in regional Victoria because, you know, trying to get staff there as well. So when you used to have a lot of internationals on your books, what, what was the balance there? I mean, did they arrive more experienced or was it that there was, you know, enough people floating around? They were willing to work, Danny. They, they were willing to work, you know, and I think there's, a, there's also the aspect of these younger kids that are on Job Seeker and they, you know, they're quite happy to get – um, you know, sit at home and not work. So there's a bit of laziness there too, I think, which is, um, you know, you, they're getting a handout. So, you know, if they don't have to work, they're not going to work, the young kids, you know. Like they're, they're living with mum and dad. So I think that's also maybe a problem. Mm. Um, yeah, 
It's a it's a tricky one, isn't it? You just and I, I guess as job seeker reduces that little bit, I wonder if more of those kids will want to work. But- oh, no, I also think probably when we get to that point where job seeker and job keeper does filter out, we will have better calibre of people wanting to have jobs. But the thing is, we desperately need the job keeper to help us stay afloat. I mean, we're still, you know, we're running our businesses at such limited numbers, and you know, when we have to start paying back rent and all that. Um, loans, etc. It's going to really hurt. So it's a it's a really challenging um, dilemma that I think a lot of people um, are in the same boat. Yeah, it's really on a knife edge, isn't it? I mean, do, when you when you talk about those people that have gone off to other jobs in other industries, what kinds of stories are you hearing? Where are they going? Um, oh, you know, uh, I think anything like you know, fruit picking or I don't know something else. Um, you know, different call centres, just something that was a bit more of a stable job because, you know, we didn't know how long and it was such a long lockdown. And, you know, the psychological impact on people not working is huge, you know, and um, and I think, you know, it was so stressful um, and, you know, I'm just so thankful that the staff that we have kept on JobKeeper have stuck and been loyal with us and they're, like, phenomenal and they're they're so excited I mean look we're so happy to be back and open and you know everyone's you know guns blazing but we just I don't want them to burn out and I want to replenish you know we want to have you know a bit more of a um you know just some more great stuff. What do you think it is about about Australians and hospitality like why aren't there people clamoring to to do these jobs? Yeah, well, you look in the kitchens as well, and the majority of them are, you know, they're overseas staff, and they're just willing to get in there and work. And I do think that there's probably a little bit of an element. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I mean, hospitality—it's a hard game, you know, and it's it's tough, and you know, it's long hours. Um, but it's a great industry, and I mean, that's why we've been in it for so long. Because I mean, I think they're fantastic people, um, and it takes a certain kind of personality to stick with it long term. And you know, so many of those transient staff of the the internationals that they would come and go, and they'd replenish. Like you know, we'd get maybe a whole group of, you know kids that were from you know France or wherever and then they'd get their little group that they were living with to to work and it would go in cycles and then they'd work at the different venues um but we're just not getting that and I think that um that is a huge gap in um in our industry I mean it's pretty predictable isn't it we knew that this was going to happen if the internationals left you everyone that works in hospitality knows how important they are to the businesses it's not which is why yeah exactly which is why everyone was saying you that They've been forgotten and that is a huge hole that we've been left with. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be challenging. I mean, it's hard to see that changing anytime soon. I don't think we're going to have people from overseas flooding back into the country anytime soon. The solution must be that Australians are going to need to step into these kinds of jobs. Um, I mean, what do you think is the solution here? Well, um, we're going to have to train up young kids and get them trained up. Um, and, you know, I'm sure we can. And, um, you know, we'll take them on and we'll train them and that will just be – I mean, that's a, I, I can't see any other solution. So they'll just be really young, some of them, some of the staff, because we're not getting any interest from people over the age of sort of, you know, 25. 
at the moment. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, the like the the pay is on parity with a lot of other industries. It's not that they're being terribly paid. I mean, it's presume you know presuming that they're paid properly. Of course, there are some operators that don't pay properly but um those that do like it's it's decent it's decent wages um the conditions if everyone's working according to the award they're reason they're reasonable like there's breaks there's um you can't work you know a million hours a week uh it's is it a cultural thing i I think it definitely is i do i think there's an element of that um but look who knows what the landscape will you know how it will pan out but um, we just want to get our businesses um, thriving again and, um, and you know, having that love of what we do. And we love um, hospitality. We love, you know, we've got, you know, our, our chef at the Kingston, Michael, was the head chef at Denoy for years before we got him and he's a fantastic person to work for. You know, he's got a great team. You know, we've got, a fanta- we've got great teams in place and seriously good managers in all the venues. And so, look, I think, you know, we're well-placed moving forward. We just need that um, that backup of, um, of, of staff that we're going to have to train up. Mm. I mean, if you had uh, someone that was weighing up a career in hospitality, why would you tell them to do it? What's good about it? Oh, it's just it's, it's fun, you know, and it attracts fun people and it's um, – you know, it's buzzy and if you're a people person, you love talking to people, um, you know, I think, you know, it's um, it's, it, it's a great, it's a fun, fun industry to be in and um, there's a lot of, um, you know, you work hard, you play hard and, you know, it's got so many rewards and you can progress up um, in hospitality. It, it, it can be a long-term career and, you know, if you, you if you get trained up by really good people, you could look at then having your own venue and learning from getting experience from senior people to, you know, help you do. And that worries me. Like I sort of think about so many of these businesses that are not going to survive this. And especially in Melbourne, you know, we are, um, you know, when businesses have to start paying back their loans, etc. I think I'm really worried about what it's going to look like. And I just wanted. Are you? Do you feel the same? Yeah. Look, I think everyone's wondering when JobKeeper goes. If it does go at the end of March, as as is now slated, that that feels like a cliff that a lot of people are going to tumble over. Uh, a lot of businesses are being subsidised. Perhaps really, I guess some you know people have been clinging on to hopefully open, have a decent summer, um, and some are going to find that they have had a summer that's going to get them through, and and some will find that they haven't. So I suppose it's um a lot of businesses are, are still on a knife edge. I mean, many businesses, as we know, you know, went into this whole period in debt. You know, with um, suppliers invoices are outstanding. Uh, it was already a game of catch up, and to have this uh, have this terribly um difficult period where people were um yeah just really not making any money it's yeah it's pretty hard to carry a business through and through I, that. I do think like the really good operators will be able to hang on um and you know but I do really worry about some of the smaller especially in the city um I just with no one working in there you've got no internationals living there um it does concern me but I'm hopeful that 
we can, I mean, Melbourne is such a wonderful city and we are known for our beautiful restaurants, cafes, our culture, and I just desperately hope that we can, you know, create, I mean, we want to create fun, we want to have a great vibe and it's so important. I think we, especially now people realise after we've been locked down for so long how important connections are and how important it is for us to catch up with our loved ones and our friends and how important that is for your mental health on so many different levels and that's exactly what hospitality venues can do and we can do it safely and we do it in a COVID safe way and I think it's integral to our community and you know our pubs are community hubs you know we have regular people that you know we have Ross does the trivia on a Tuesday and it just it brings our communities together um, and it's um, I think you can't underestimate how important that is to our um, community. I think the other thing as as Melbournians who dine out is that we expect things to be of a certain standard. And one of the things that concerns me regarding the staff shortages is that you will get those young people, however keen they are, they won't have the experience, the service experience won't be as smooth. Perhaps things will be a little bit bumpier in the kitchen. I mean, I'll tell you what's going on in my family today, Chantal, is that my 15-year-old daughter is doing her shift at a cafe, at a local cafe. And I said to her last week, you know, like this is the time, like go get a job. Like everybody is hiring and they often wouldn't hire someone who's got no experience. You'd be a bit of a liability when you start, but this is the time to try to get your foot in the door. And I mean, if I think about about uh, her at this local cafe today, I mean, God knows what she's up to. Um, you know, I don't know how many she certainly can't carry carry three plates but <laughs> she's yeah but I love the fact that she's she's a go-getter and she's going to do it I, it's fantastic I think that's wonderful and you know I mean we're well and truly prepared to train up any staff that want you know that are serious and want to give it a go but look the other thing I sort of you know what I've noticed since we've reopened because especially with this these new numbers it sounds great having 40 indoors but you have to have them spaced out if you've got you know your x amount of rooms so we're limited staff they're running their bums off in any way and then you need it's almost like you need to employ a COVID safe staff member just to make sure that people are you know when they you know get up and go to the toilet that they're wearing their masks and you know we're not getting any you know it would be helpful if we got an additional subsidy from the government to allow for that payment of that person you know like your limited staff and I think that's also a challenge I mean that's our temporary challenge um like uh, that I've sort of you know found you know we're all we all want to do the right thing you know we all want everyone to do the right thing um and you know I think that's a really good point I think especially when you've got if I think about my daughter in this cafe today I mean she knows that she knows the vaguest things about um sanitizing and that but I mean you wouldn't want uh, it's a lot to think that a, a green staff member is going to um you know firmly tell a customer that they need to put their mask on or firmly tell a customer that they need to wait well especially after they've had a couple of drinks absolutely yeah. Yeah, it's just you not going to happen they've had a couple of beers and it's like you know exactly so but look you know most people I, I would say on the whole most people have been really great with um you know they're happy to do they're sitting their hour and a half and they you know they make the most of it they're so excited to be out and they you know they they you know they buy the, the good wines and you know that they are prepared to go when their time is up and so I mean that's been 
um, that's been pretty good. And but I would definitely say that the demographic um, is a lot younger. Like um, you know, like the King's Army would have had a, a fairly older clientele at certain times, but they're not currently going out yet. So it's definitely a younger. You feel they're a bit cautious. So... I definitely, yeah. Um, and speaking probably with some other um, um, other people I know too, they, they would say the same thing. It's definitely you know, a little bit younger at the moment. So, I mean, hope you know, clearly our numbers are looking good. So hopefully people will feel a bit more comfortable. I do think people are more comfortable this time than they were last time in June. I think people were very tentative then to go out because there was still a lot unknown about COVID. Um, but I think, um, you, yeah, I think people are a lot more comfortable going out now. I think, I mean, I personally am. I, I, well, we're foodies. We love going out. Yeah. Love, yeah. <laughs> but you have this run of zero um, cases and I think you just feel like, okay, it actually feels safe. But I suppose the flip side of that is you don't want people to feel too safe because you want everyone to keep being careful. Exactly. So that we, you know, hang yeah, on to the... you go back to the places, yeah, I mean, I feel like you go to the places that you're comfortable with. You go to the places that you know and, you know, especially I think we are fortunate in the fact that we have so many – we have a lot of outdoor spaces and our venues are big enough that we can safely – do the spacing like the four by four square meter rule I wish that had come in now rather than this um you know 40 cap indoors I don't understand that like I think if you could safely if we could have done the four by four square meter but anyway that that will come on the 22nd of November I think but but, we're still capped to 100 people yeah yeah, I, I don't know. I can only assume that they're doing it because it's the safest way to do it. And I think there are some rules that you could yeah, think Yeah, look, we want to be safe. Yeah. yeah. Some rules have to be blanket rules um, where you could look at a at a huge room and you could think, well, I mean, you know you can now divide a space with a, with a five-metre gap. So there there is a bit of flexibility that's coming in for um, for larger venues. And I, I don't know, I guess the, the COVID lottery, it's just not necessarily a level, it's not a level playing field. It's not fair. It's luck of the draw. If you've got a larger space or you've got more outdoor space, I mean, you just didn't know <laughs> that that was going to make you lucky in a pandemic, did you? Yeah, well, look, and with the public house, we've added two new, two additional levels on the public house. The top level is a um, rooftop um, sort of rooftop terrace and then the, the third level can be all open air and we also have on the second level a courtyard so we are you know extremely lucky of having all that those outdoor spaces but we're um, we are waiting on furniture from overseas and we're waiting on that to, to um, arrive before we can open so that has been problematic because um, the time of getting furniture sent and then it's got to be sent to Sydney and then get trucked from Sydney down to Melbourne. So there's all those, but it'll be a fantastic space once um, once we can open with the outdoor. So, I mean, you've got to be thankful for what you've got and work with what you've got. But you still want to have, um, you want to have atmosphere, you want to have ambience, you want to have, um, you know, that's why people dine out. They want to have a nice experience and it's quite challenging when if you've got a larger venue and it's um you know in you cap to you know 10 people in a room um but we're doing our best well look I think that's on the diners as well it's like diners have to be bring their own cheer and bring their own atmosphere and understand what the restrictions are it's definitely it's got to be a partnership um one of the things that I've heard over the past week uh Chantal that has really just like gets me in the 
gut is no-shows and uh, diners that are booking but they're not turning up to honour those bookings. Have you had any issues with that? No, thank God. So, no, but we did in in June and that was crippling. So this time round we didn't used to take credit card bookings um, but we have since we've opened this this time around because yeah I mean we're we're fortunate we haven't but that would be horrendous if you've got a tiny like a small restaurant yeah I just um my heart breaks for people like that um it would be horrendous but that's so good to know that you had that issue you and you've solved it with taking credit card details that's really that's really instructive for anybody who's wondering whether or not they should do that and I guess you know you're a pub it's not you're not a it's not a formal restaurant but to know that your customers will accept that because they understand and then they'll honor those bookings I think that's that's really great that's that's really heartening but look it's not something we wanted to do there's no reason yeah. not to do it mm. of course yeah but these are the circumstances, aren't mm. they? And look, I mean, that would be, um, yeah, I just think that would be horrible for, for venues, um, yeah, smaller venues. It would be horrific for them because every single bum want to see is so important. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that people are buying the nice wine. What what other kinds of things could you say to customers that, you know, would be great for them to do when they visit a venue? Well, just be respectful and, and just be, um, look, we're, we're a bit rusty, you know. We have been, you know, our staff, even though they're, you know, they're seasoned hospitality people, they haven't worked for months. So, you know, it takes a little, you know, we, you know, which is probably, I guess, in hindsight, looking at what we were allowed to do when we opened, it's probably not a bad thing that we had the limited numbers because it gave us a little bit of time to breathe because I think um, it's given us incremental steps um, to get back into the swing of things. Um and um, but I, I would look. I would say on the whole, you know, most people have been really good. But just you know, if you're told to wear your mask, please wear your mask and don't yell at the staff. You know, just um, you know, be yeah, just and just you know, we're people. We're trying to make a living. Um, you know, we've we've not had any income for seven months. So you know, it's it's you know, it's been really tough. Yeah. Um, Chantal, we, we chatted briefly but over messaging when we were um, making the time to do this and I, I realised from your email address that you're part of the Maton guitar family. Um, so I used to be a guitar roadie in a previous life and um, the guitarist whose guitars I tuned loved Maton's and they are such beautiful guitars. Can you tell me a little bit about that uh, being part of the family that's uh, that amazing Melbourne family that creates those guitars? Oh, yeah, it's a, it's a labour of love. I um, my grandfather, Bill May, started the business in 1946 from his garage. He, um, at the time, couldn't afford to buy a guitar that he wanted. So he's like, well, I'm going to make my own and started um, um, the business. So the name's sort of, uh, it's from his um, his surname, May and Tone, and that's how it dropped the um, the Y and the E to get mate on. And, um, and then my parents, Linda and Neville, took over from my grandfather and they've been running the business ever since. Um, and, yeah, I mean, look, they've, been, they've done so well during COVID because so many people, um, they were at home and they, they want an instrument. So it's actually, they've done really well, which has been fantastic. 
That's so good. So um, is it compulsory in your family to play the guitar? Well, I didn't. Um, yeah. No, I did ballet, so, um, okay. so I didn't play guitar. But um, but I have my son is a fantastic singer and plays guitar, so at least it's, it's gone down to um, to this generation. But, yeah, look, I've, I've absolutely loved the business and, um, you know, I'm one of four kids and, um yeah, we're hoping, well, it's a family-run business um, and, you know, we love, we employ Australian um, staff, you know, we export our beautiful product all around the world and I'm really proud of that, that we make something in this country that people uh, value. It's a quality product and people um, people love it. So it's, I'm very proud of it. Yeah, amazing. Uh, it's such a it's is such an iconic company and such beautiful guitars. Um, Chantal, thank you so much for having a chat to me today. It's uh, it I, I can hear the I mean, there's obviously big challenges, but I can hear the energy in your voice and also the passion. I think pubs are so important to Melbourne. Richmond is such a great place to go to the pub, and um, yeah, it's I hope that you can find some amazing staff. And I reckon anyone that gets trained up in your business is. Uh, is very lucky and is on their way to a beautiful career in a fantastic industry. So uh, congratulations, well done and all the best. Thank you so much. And look, I'm really excited. I'm excited now and I get a bit nervous saying that because you just don't know, but I'm, I'm optimistic about the future. Yeah. Awesome. So glad to hear it. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you, Chantal. Thanks, Danny. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about. We spend a week thrashing around each issue, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This is a Deep in the Weeds production.